John 14, 16 through 26, we're going to get into this. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. I was going to preach on something else. I just couldn't get away from this. And so we're going to deal with the Holy Spirit. I want you to open up your hearts and really listen to some things tonight as it relates to the Spirit. Amen. All right, John 14, let's read. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. He will be with you forever. Did you catch that? Forever. Will, just come here just real quick. I want, you, I want to use you just real quick. He'll be with you forever. Isaiah sent you here. Come on up here just real quick. It's good to see you tonight, son. Watch this. Isaiah's going to be the Holy Spirit. He looks like a Holy Spirit, don't he? Come on, you can walk a little bit faster, Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, I want you to grab a hold of him and do not let go of him. This is, that's, that's so easy to break that hold. You're, you're not representing the Holy Spirit at all. Yeah. So look at what Jesus says here. He says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. I want, to, I want to get some principles about who the Holy Spirit is tonight. Because sometimes we think he's a feeling. We think he's a, a, a goosebump, a chill. We think he's a, uh, an emotion. We think he's, you know, what makes us feel certain songs. But the Holy Spirit is distinctively different than many of our concepts. And I want to make sure that we define who the Holy Spirit is tonight. Because if you don't understand a thing, you'll abuse it. And it's so important to have an understanding of the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, Jesus says he'll be with you forever. This is really, really important. He's a helper that will be with you forever. So wherever Will goes, I just want you to walk. I want you to stay with him. Wherever he goes. Just any direction that he goes. If you try to go forward, if you try to go backwards, if you go Anywhere the Holy Spirit's with you. Let's say that forward represents the positive moves that he's making in his life. And let's say backward represents the failures or the fears that are bringing him back into things that are binding him up in his life. Notice that wherever he goes, the Holy Spirit's with him. In both the positivity of going forward and then both... The, the, the coming back to whatever old mindsets that are keeping him in bondage. The Holy Spirit's with him forever. This is important because we need to understand that it is pointless to try to lie to the Holy Spirit. Because he was with you in it all. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Why even waste your energy trying to lie to the Spirit when, in fact, he was with you? When we read in Acts, thank you, uh, when we read in Acts where it says that Adam, or excuse me, that Ananias and Sapphira, uh, Peter, was asking the church for resources. And the church was coming and it was given resources because it was helping advance the mission of the church. And Ananias and Sapphira had just sold some things and they came and they they gave but they didn't give what was required of them to give not by peter notice by the holy spirit peter didn't ask for a certain amount of anything he just asked that the church step up and give but the holy spirit demanded that they give a certain amount and they did not give what they was and then when peter received it peter had enough boldness to say he knew that they had disobeyed the holy spirit And he asked him about it because the Holy Spirit told Peter that they're not being obedient. And then Peter, being the man of God that he was, said, you're not being obedient. And then all of a sudden the exchange happened. And then Ananias and Sapphira lied not to Peter first. Listen, it's not just to Peter. That's not the problem. They was lying to Peter, but that's not the real issue. The real issue is that they lied to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they dropped dead. They, that they literally dropped dead. Him and his wife dropped dead, lying to the Holy Spirit. Now, we could argue the theology of that some other time. But the truth, the, 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 the point that I'm making is that the Holy Spirit knows everything. 
You can't lie. He told you to do something. You need to do it. And don't let fear talk you out of doing what the Holy Spirit has told you to do. I'm telling you right now, if you want to go on a long detour in your life, start avoiding the Holy Spirit's his directions. You want to go in a, in a life of pain and misery, decisions that take you down lonely roads, keep avoiding the Holy Spirit. You want to go down unnecessary trials and tests, keep avoiding the Holy Spirit. He's meant to lead you and guard you, not just sweep up our mess. He's trying to help you live a life of abundance. But, 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 we, but we, we don't do that because what we do is we do it our own way and then we beg God to, to, to get us out of the mess that our own thinking put us in. The Holy Spirit said, don't do that. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit knows it all, man. Have you ever, have you ever met somebody, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want you to, to, to view this as an arrogant thing, but have you ever met somebody who thinks they know more than they actually do, and you actually know exactly the thing that they need, but because of their dogmatic ignorance, you don't feel that even if you say it, they're even going to get it, so you don't waste your time? You ever been that? I have several people in my life that I could offer correction to on certain things. I've been down that road. I've seen where that leads. But it's almost as if you also see the ignorance of a mindset and you see the dogmatic position that they take. And it's like, man, they're not going to receive this anyway. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I'm like, man, I don't even really want to waste my time because I know I'm going to be casting pearls before swine here. I got family members that they'll come and they'll, they'll, man, I'm tired of life and I'm tired of this. I'm like, man, dude, I can tell you where to change it. But you won't listen to me. You want to do it your way. You're wanting me to bail you out. You don't want to give, you don't want the wisdom, the mindset that is going to make your life better. You want somebody to bail you out, but you still want to do it your way. That's how we treat the Holy Spirit. And he's the helper. That's with us forever. See, he's a covenant God. He's not like us. There is no divorce court. We we, we can't divorce him. The Bible said in the Old Testament he's married to the backslider. He even calls the prophet to marry somebody who we would consider, you know, what's the word you can say with kids? Yeah, whore. I'm sorry, there ain't no other way to say it. That's what they are. That's what she was. She was a woman of the night. Should have said that first. (laughs) The wisdom came to me last. Hallelujah. (laughs) She was a woman of the night. The Bible told a prophet to marry her. My God, why would he do that? Because it was a type and shadow of God marrying a church that was a church of the night. Laid with other gods, idolized other things other than God, put other things, affectionate for things in our hearts that was not what God intended. And he said, I want you to be a prophet. I want you to go marry that woman. That's the same type of covenant that we have with God. He's not divorcing you because you go and you're unfaithful. It breaks his heart. But he's calling you back to that marriage. Calling you back to that marriage. That's, that's love. That's love. Watch it. Let's continue to read, Pastor Tim. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him or does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Man, did you catch that right there? He who, watch, read that again. He who keeps my commandments. He, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Is this 26? Keep reading down 26. (laughs) Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? 
Jesus answered and said to him. Isn't that funny that Judas is the one that asked that? He's the one that was going to be a key component in making the cross happen. He was the guy that was going to turn Jesus over and betray Jesus. Had no clue. No wonder he was used of the enemy. He had no clue what Jesus was talking about. Because the Bible says that Jesus said, my, Jesus said this to several people, my word has no place in your heart. No wonder you don't know what he's talking about. It doesn't have, what he's saying doesn't have any, there's no space available. We're, he was filled with so much stuff here, there was nothing available. And so no wonder Judas was used to do what he was doing. But it's just funny that Judas is the one that asked that question. Let's continue, watch this. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Uh. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you to, and bring to your remembrance okay. all that I said to you. All right, watch this. Here's where I want to get to. Put this down if you're taking notes. I just want you to remember this because it's important of, uh, to remember this. This is something that's major because Jesus could have, and I don't know if you guys know this. Those who went through theology school may, uh, may remember this. Uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot of debate as to who actually wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of people believe that Mark was borrowed by uh, uh, Luke. Luke was not one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a first century, really, historian who kind of gathered information, and he began to write about Jesus. The Gospels was not actually written until somewhere around 30 to 60 years after the death of Jesus. In other words, the Gospels, when people say, just read the red letters. Well, the red letters isn't what Jesus said. The le- red letters are what people believed or heard Jesus say. Okay? It's what is attributed to Jesus. It's not necessarily what he said. He didn't write them down himself. The only time Jesus wrote in the New Testament was in sand, and that shifts. He always likes to write in our DNA. I don't know if you don't know. You made a dirt, and he animated you with his breath. The Bible says that the Bible says that uh, this last part here, he says, I'll teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I said to you. But notice that it's like remembering is so important. Why wouldn't he write down what he's saying so that we could remember it? Why would he give us words that he didn't actually write down himself so there is no problems with translation? Because let's be honest. Some church folk don't know this, but there is translation discrepancies, major translation discrepancies. We read the Bible. Anybody got a, an old-fashioned Bible here? We do everything digital now, but you, hey, she saved y'all. We read this and we say, man, this is the word of God, page to page to page. But it's not that simple. This is a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. And it goes on probably about 30 translations deep. When the King James first came out, the King James that everybody thinks is the original authorized version of God, uh, uh, a translation of God, was like they, the people who endorsed King James was considered heretics because the Geneva Bible was the authorized version before that. And if you even mention the Geneva Bible... When the Geneva Bible came out, you was dealing with scholars who read Greek. And they was like, what are you talking about? An English version of scripture. They would, they would have called them a heretic. It goes on and on and on and on. It's just the same way that people say we read these new translations and, and this is what's happened and you guys are heretics. You need to go back to the original King James. Jesus didn't speak Shakespeare. He didn't speak Shakespeare. The King James doesn't have no special authority on it. There's a lot of stuff I could teach you about King James that blow your mind. But the reality is, is we had for thousands of years flawed manuscripts. We had portions of manuscripts. Still to this day, we do not have complete manuscripts. Thankfully, in the day and age that we live in, we have now uncovered 
more manuscripts so we have a little bit more of an idea of as to, to, to what things are really saying. Now, for instance, in Romans where it says, Now there is therefore no condemnation to who, those who are in Christ Jesus. King James will put comma to those who walk after the spirit and not of the flesh. That, that comma there, that's all italicized because it was added. It's not in the original manuscript. The reason why the NIV and the NSAB, which we read out of, took that out is because it's not in the original manuscript. King James took that liberty to put that in there. Now, it's not bad theology, what they said, because that does make sense. However, it's not in the actual manuscript. There was a period where King James put a comma. And we, we know that now because we've uncovered all kinds of different manuscripts over the last, especially 200 years. We have, we've gathered data that, that we didn't have before, so the translators could not have had that data, so they had to take guesses to complete sentences. For instance, Psalms, David said, the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. Yeah, but that's not what, the, that's not what it says, though. Now we have uncovered newer manuscripts that, that are showing us what the older manuscripts actually said. Which, which, which is saying, David has said in their heart, where, where we have read, the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. There is is added. It actually don't say there is no God. David said, the fool has said in their heart, no God. Not there is no God, but rather the fool, that, you're a fool, that, if you're telling God no is what he's saying. Are you with me? So Jesus... Here, here's the powerful point. I, I know this is different for me tonight, but we've got to get this teaching. Jesus said that he'll teach you all things and bring you to remembrance. All the things that I said, why wouldn't he write it down? Words that are written down can be manipulated. They can be changed. They can be, um, you know... People can go in there and add letters, take letters away. There's all kinds of things that can happen. Historians are not always um, purely historians. A lot of historians, especially in the first century, was working for the Roman government. The Roman government had all kinds of ideologies and would use all kinds of Christian concepts to persuade people to their own agenda. The Catholic Church especially. Constantine built his empire off of the Catholicism and their, their influence. And so it's, there's so much that's happened, and so I guess what I'm saying to you tonight is that there's a reason why he said the Holy Spirit will bring you into remembrance of all things. Here's the key. Watch this. Are you still with me? I just want to make sure this is clear. It's a lot. Jesus, instead of writing his teachings down, he gave them the Spirit as a reminder. Remember the law was written down. And you see how well we did with that. Remember that, okay? The words that Jesus speaks to us are spiritual. Now, I'm not against the canon of Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's one thing to read on a piece of paper. A sentence that was attributed to Jesus. It's another thing to read it, and the Holy Spirit becomes the narrator. And now he's bringing that thing off the page, and it is now becoming life to you. This is the difference between those who get it and those who just don't get it. It's not about people say, well, listen, his word will never return void. So they think that actually means this. It doesn't mean scripture, because scripture can return void. Uh, easy. All you got to do is assign it to a context it wasn't assigned to. In other words, no weapon going to get me to prosper. Joker, you the one that formed a weapon. It is prospering. You will reap what you sow. Easy. It did prosper. That's why you're in the situation you're in. It prospered really well. A hundredfold it prospered. <laughs> that, that's simple. Do we even have to argue that? But the word did not return void. Who is the word? In the beginning was the word. And the word, what? Come on now. Who is the word? The word is Christ. He is the word. It's more than a sentence, y'all. He's more than a sentence. My God, man. Mary bore the word for nine months. And <laughs> Come on. Nine months the word was in her and didn't speak. 
He's more than an audible sentence that we speak out loud. The word can get on the inside of you and work what he wants to work without ever saying anything to you. She walked around with the word for nine months in her womb. Nine months the Holy Spirit deposited heaven into her womb. She walked around. Think about the appetites, the cravings she got. Wasn't for no (laughs) apples and whatever crazy stuff. My wife had weird cravings, y'all. But think about the cravings she got. Man, the visions that she probably had all the time, the dreams that she would have. Man, she's got God living in her. The Word living in her. His words are life. I wrote this down. This is so important that we get this. The words Jesus spoke were spiritual and from the Father. They're spiritual and from the Father. They're not just casual words, y'all. It's not just casual conversation. This is the guy that knows it all. How you got to where you are, he has it all. This is the one dude on earth that did not have questions. The one guy that knows it all, and yet, and yet, so many take his conversation casual. I'm just reading this word. We don't listen the way that we need to listen. When he's speaking. And we wonder why we keep doing circles in our life. These words are more than casual. That's all I'm trying to get this to you. This is a spiritual conversation tonight. And he says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all things. This is what I love about those spirits. Isaiah was following him around. Following him around. Wherever we went, he's following him. He'll bring it to remember. Here's something that's so important with the Holy Spirit. See, can I just be honest? It's hard preaching this stuff because it's it's so much easier preaching the messages that that excite you and stuff like that. The spiritual stuff, a lot of times that mature us is the stuff that's hard to speak because sometimes we get bored with it. And what that does is expose how carnal we really are. If spirituality makes you bored, I'm sorry, man, you're carnal. This is the source of your problem. Jesus wants to break you out of that because you are designed by a spiritual being. You are spiritual and there is, you're not supposed to walk around life numb to the things of God. You're not supposed to be numb, Paul said in Ephesians 4, who being past feeling, give themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with all ungodliness. We live in a culture that is numb. Numb. Everybody wants their rights. We live in a culture that is just everything is good, man. Just do it your way. And it's like this is so against the heart of God. It is going to destroy us. But we don't see it because we only want things our way, man. I'm telling you, God's way is the only way that works. It's the only way that works. This is so important. So, So watch this. Look here. Let's go to John 16 and go back to verse 12. This, this, is, this is powerful. John 16, 12 through 13. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jesus literally said, man, I got things to tell you, but, but I can't tell you right now because you can't bear it. You're too weak. You're going to miss what I'm trying to tell you. I, I will never forget my spiritual father. We was, i just come into Flint, Michigan. God, this seems like forever ago now. It's over two decades ago. I had just come into Flint, Michigan, and uh, he was proud of me, man. I was this 
young worship leader, and he wanted to show me off to the city. So he, all the services and stuff like that, he would just, man, get up and sing something, play something, sing something, you know, just try to, I don't know what he was doing, but he was trying to, I guess, show me off in front of everybody. And so I was making all these connections, but I was, I was young, I was really critical. I was overly critical of everybody. If you couldn't sing a certain way, I was like, that ain't anointed. If your style wasn't the way I want, that ain't God. That ain't anointed. They don't know what they're talking about. Man, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree. If I met myself now, I would be like, man, get away from me, kid. But that's how I was. I was that guy. And he, he would never say nothing. He would just get quiet when I start talking about people because I was good at talking about people. I liked to gossip. I was considered myself a professional talker. There's levels to this thing. And I'll never forget, he was dropping me off. It was late. We had just got some White Castles. I didn't know about White Castles back then. That was my first time. And we just got White Castles, and I was just trying to brag about what makes me better than all these other people. And for the first time, he looked at me and said, son, and he raised his voice. You don't know what you think you know. First time he ever yelled at me, I was like, and it, it not only did it scare me, because he had a weird voice in his, when he got, he rasped me aloud, and I was scared. And he looked like he was mad, so I was like, oh, man, I done stepped on a toe. Something. And then all of a sudden, man, I started to go inward and feel extremely insecure. Like, like it was like, I mean, I couldn't sleep the whole night. Like, I was just like, why would he say that to me? What am I missing? No way, man, he's wrong. And then I started to make that, I started, once I couldn't figure out what he was talking about, I started to say, no, I miss God. This relationship ain't God. I started to want to avoid that relationship now because I didn't like the way he did that and I couldn't understand why he was saying what he was saying. Well, I needed the money, so I stuck it out. <laughs> just to be honest, God will keep you in a place of need just so he can teach you something sometimes. Come on, somebody. And so I, I, I was there, I stuck it out or whatever, and then years later, I started to re- remember as I, I started going to school and I started doing stuff, I started to realize I don't know half of what I thought I knew. I was a really ignorant young man that was dogmatic for no reason, had no reason to be dogmatic other than the fact I was trying to mask and hide insecurities. And so what I did was I remembered that moment because it took a father to really break that ignorance off of my mindset and really kind of spiritually like give you a bump on the head and say, man, dude, slow your roll. You, you, you're talking a lot. You don't really know what you're talking about. You think you do, but you don't. Here's the, the thing with Jesus. He said, there's more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. I want to tell you some things that will really help you, but if I come straight with it at this point, it's going to make you get into a different type of posture. You're not going to receive it. You'll probably run. If I tell you right now the reason why your life is in shambles because you did this, you ain't gonna, you're not ready for that. You're not ready to really look in the mirror and say, wow, wow, I'm the problem. It ain't everybody else. I'm not really ready to, to really own up and man up to these things. Jesus said, man, there's more on my table. He said, look. This is what he'll do. <laughs> he said, you're not ready to bear it, but the spirit of truth comes. He'll guide you into it. Yeah. This is how we receive the necessary hard sayings. It takes somebody who's with us through it all. Yeah. Who knows all the inward workings of your heart. Because right now, some of us are not in position to hear the things that we need to that's going to bring freedom. So what happens is... He says, I know you're not ready right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you in this season let it wear you out. Once you're wore out, then I'll say, okay, now you're ready. Sometimes he has to let you go through a season to exhaust your mindsets, your way of doing things. It'll allow you to be exhausted enough to actually position you for help. Sometimes some of us, what's killing you right now is your own strength. You're too strong right now. And what you're bearing is not the necessary weight. You're holding up something that you don't even need to hold up. It's not even foundational. You're bearing the wrong thing. You're tired for the, no reason at all. <laughs> you're walking around weary. I just can't take no more. I'm like, man, look at what's on your shoulders. You, you was never even meant to bear that. 
The Holy Spirit said, yeah, they're not, they're not going to listen. I, I could tell them, but they're not going to do it right now. I, I, gotta, I know how they are. I've been with them this long. Because I don't leave, because I don't forsake, I know how they are. I know her moods. I know his moods. He's not, there's just sometimes, like if I got something I need to say to my wife, and I know she may have said something that, that I need to challenge, you know, maybe you could have said that to the kids a little different. Man, I know what, there's a, there's a time to, to, to correct her. You don't just walk in that door. Baby, don't say it that way because I'm going to get the aftermath of that same spirit or vice versa. you got to know when to say it because you have relationship with one another. That's what I'm saying. Jesus wasn't just randomly, irresponsibly throwing us over to the spirit because we couldn't bear it. He was giving us a connection to the spirit because he knew the Holy Spirit is going to know what time to give it to us. Are you hearing that? Listen to the Holy Spirit in the seasons that you go through when you're exhausted. Those are some of the most critical instructions you'll ever have. When you're wore out, it's probably in that time to where you finally don't have any more answers to where the God thing will emerge. As long as you still celebrating your answers, your remedies, your way of doing things, you're still not ready for change. Man. The words of Jesus are more than just words. The reality. When he speaks, it alters reality, y'all. It changes reality. Am I in the house tonight? We are not meant to just hear what he says. We're meant to bear it. That's why he said you can't bear it now. I can't tell you because you can't bear it. He'll tell it when you're able to bear it. Isn't that something? Uh, last point. Look at what he says here. Did my reader do, what Tim just leave? Where we at? Look at here where it says the spirit of truth. He says he'll guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Let's go back up to 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, if he's the spirit of truth, The primary focus of the Holy Spirit is to expose lies. He has to confront our lies. What are you lying to yourself about right now? You know you are. I know know what lies I tell myself. I've told myself a lot of lies over the years. And then I, I force myself to believe them so they don't feel like a lie. But there's still lies. One of the lies I told myself for years is that I'm not accepted. You got to work for acceptance. I would go to great lengths to be accepted by people. The older I get, the more I, I really just only want to be accepted by God. And I know I am. I'm finding more favor when I just follow that. What lies are you telling yourself? Because when you start a dialogue with the Holy Spirit, He's going to start. Attacking the lies. You know, when we have, all of us, and I don't know if if we all know this, but listen to this point. Everybody in this room has some ideology in their head that they're convinced is truth that is actually rooted in a lie. Everybody. It's rooted in a lie. You're convinced of it, but it's actually rooted on faulty thinking. The Holy Spirit's job is to dismantle that. Because he's truth. He is not going to sit there and fellowship with lies. He's not going to fellowship with lies. He's only going to deal with you truth. Spirit and in truth. That's his job. That's who he is. So, you know, he, he's not the guy that you sit with and you just sit there and have this crazy dialogue about how you do this and that and this and that. And, and, and you know, we've all had those conversations where you meet somebody and for some reason you try to impress them sometimes or, or whatever and, and, you know, kind of swell up, you know, and, and, and make, you know, things seem bigger or more favorable or, or whatever. A lot of people, we've had those conversations, but that's not the Holy Spirit. He knows he's been with you through it all. He knows everything. There's no dialogue with this dude with lies because he knows everything about you. He's only going to deal with truth. 
That's why so many don't want a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't spend time with the Holy Spirit. You're mad at somebody right now. You're really not mad at them. You're mad because there's something in them that challenges a weakness in you that needs to grow. But you don't want to hear that. You can't bear that right now. You would rather be comfortable in your mess and then just love Jesus at a distance until he starts dealing with your stuff. Ain't nobody saying nothing to me tonight. I know it's hard. That's tough stuff. We don't, want, we don't want Jesus to deal with the conditions of our hearts. A lot of the ideas that we got and concepts about life in our head that, that are stuck here really are coming from immaturity here. Things that we have misper- like misperceived inaccurate perceptions through the years that has layer upon layer and it's built on, on faulty foundation. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he says, let's deal with that. Let's deal with this. Let's deal with that. Everything the Holy Spirit asks you to do is tied to something deeper. Every single decision he says to you and he says, I want you to do this. It's tied to something deeper. He is guiding you into a better reality. And every decision that you make, every yes that you say to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you here. I'm going to take this step. Every time you do that, it is taking you into something greater in every moment that you are obedient. It is connected to a string of decisions that are destined for you to walk out. And it's all leading you back to a place of wholeness. We're fortunate that when we get up in older age that we can actually live life in peace. That's what real rich is. That's what being rich really is. It ain't about the money. Being rich is really just having... My mom don't have a lot of money, but she's one of the happiest people. She'll be here on the 28th. I'm sure she'll be hugging necks and y'all and y'all and, you know, she's redneck. That's mom, but she's happy. My mom doesn't have a lot, but you go to her house, you see chickens and roosters, and you see all these antiques, and, and it's just a, it's a country house. But she's happy, y'all. She's got Jesus. She's got her husband. She's happy. She loves God. She's got problems, but she's happy. That's what I call wealthy. I would rather have that than be like some of the people that are million and billionaires that commit suicide because they're messed up in their head. I'd rather live life with real wealth. You can't buy that. That comes internally when you let things begin to, when you sort out things as the Holy Spirit leads you and you take those steps. Man, the Holy Spirit is meant to bring us into wholeness. Can you say amen to that? Just last point, I promise you, I promise you. Put this down if you're taking notes. If you don't tell the truth about yourself, you won't tell the truth about anybody else. If you don't tell the truth about yourself, I wrote this down, you cannot tell the truth about anybody else. Let me explain that. If you're lying to yourself, let's, let's see, any insecure people in here? You're still battling with insecurity? Let me see, raise it real high. Don't be so insecure, you don't raise your hand. Raise it, Okay. Anybody battle with inadequacy? All right. How many battle with just something? All right. You battle with something, right? Okay. Here's the thing. So those of us who deal with insecurities, I've dealt with insecurities over my life. Um, A lot of times what would happen um, is when you're insecure, sometimes you begin to think, you project onto people your own internal thoughts about yourself and so in other words i think that so-and-so is thinking this about me right now so i'm feeling all crazy you ever seen somebody whispering to somebody and you thought for sure it's all about you and you're over there like man what? and then all of a sudden you go internal and you start thinking about things that you may, you may have said or done and you're having this internal dialogue that has if you actually heard what they're talking they're probably talking about how good the sandwich is that they're eating but you're over here thinking that they're talking about this and this and this that it's because you got a guilty conscience it's because something internally in you is off and you're projecting those feelings you're actually hijacking <laughs> hijacking their conversation and you're internalizing it and they're not they're not talking about you but you're expecting them to talk about you because of the way you feel about yourself so in other words, you, you, because you are internally where you're at, you are not able to actually accurately even discern what's even being said. Your, your surroundings, 
You're viewing it wrong, all because of what's internally going on inside of you. <laughs> it's so important to let the Holy Spirit speak truth. Ephesians, just last, Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. I'm going to read this in the Message Bible tank if you got that. I thought I put that in the notes. I didn't. Message Bible, Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. And uh, we're there. Read, Pastor Tim, if you got it on your phone. You, are we good? Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. See, isn't this amazing? Let me give you some context just real quick. Can I have four minutes? Huh? Even if you said no, you'd feel weird saying it in this context. Sorry. Didn't mean to put you on blast like that, but I need four minutes. All right, so listen. This is how beautiful the Holy Spirit is. Jesus didn't write down his words. Some will say, well, how can we trust it? Easy. You have scripture was written over a span of 6,000 years, manuscripts from authors that did not know each other. Thousands of years in between them. Actually, 400-year gap between the Old and the New Testament. After Malachi, for 400 years, nobody, nobody heard from God that was written down. Nobody. For 400 years, finally shows up, we get the, the, the New Testament to where there, there is now um, an end to the, the famine of the word of God in the New Testament. 400 years. Now, watch this. You have people like Paul who had never met Peter. Paul, who had never actually met Jesus. Not in the physical sense. Who is writing letters based off his experience with the Holy Spirit. And it's confirming everything that was being um, th- that was being said about what Jesus said. They've never even met. It was confirming everything about the law, the prophets, the Psalms. You have authors. It's almost like I say, me, I'm going to write a book on Jesus. Tim, write a book on Jesus. Candace, write a book on Jesus. Shawnee, write a book on Jesus and whoever else. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're, we come, come, come in one day, not, have, not said a word to nobody. We put our books together, and all of a sudden, they line up perfectly in the description of who Christ is. That's not chance. To me, that actually gives more credit to who Christ really is. Because what was happening is the Holy Spirit was doing the teaching. The Holy Spirit was doing the teaching. And so this is amazing. Paul here in, a, in, in the church of Ephesus is actually talking to the church of Ephesus. They was spiritual at one point, but some things got happening in there. They started bickering. They started fighting. They started doing a bunch of things. And Paul, as a spiritual father, had to come in and he had to be corrective. He had to deal with some issues. And watch what it says here. He said, I'm just going to read this, Pastor Sim. He said, uh, since then, we do not have to excuse the, the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I, I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside. And working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Oh, man. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. Everybody say that. No more lies. Come on, say it like you mean. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Here's the problem with a lie. It delays your process. You're delaying your process when you lie. You're delaying your process when you lie. Stand up for me real quick. Let's pretend I'm single and she's single. And and I'm trying to figure out, come on, just for a second. And I'm trying to figure out, man, is she the one? Is this the step I need to take, man? 
Oh, man, she sure feel like the one. But all she knows about me is all of the things I've told her, which are really rooted in lies. She really don't know the struggle. She really don't know the, the pain and the history and how I really feel about myself. She really don't know the necessary components that she needs to have to make a healthy decision to really actually do life with me. And so I, I keep lying to her in hopes that, that okay, that, that, that this is going to turn out favorable. But the problem is... The problem is I'm delaying the plan of God for my life because as long as things are built off lies, I have to continue to lie to keep it together. If she cannot understand or bear my truth, if, if my truth scares her off, she's not for me. I'm actually doing myself a favor because there is somebody God has designed for each of us that is meant to be with you and your truth ain't going to scare them. I promise you, because that's the only way healing takes place. You should never have to ever be in a position to where you have to lie to yourself only so that you can keep somebody in your life that you think you need. You're hurting yourself. (laughs) You're delaying your own healing. God wants to heal you, and no matter how ugly your past, it is forgiven. He loves you, and he can take an old heart, renew it, and put new life in it. Your history don't scare off people that are destined to be in your life. Not real relationships. Are you seeing what I'm saying? When we lie to ourselves, when we lie to ourselves, and we lie to other people, we are stopping the plan of God from happening in your life. Why am I still in this place, Pastor? How come I can't get healed? Man, what lies are you upholding? Some of you are exhausted not because the season God's got you in. It's the season you're holding on to. You're not supposed to be in that season no more. It's a hard word tonight, I know. (laughs) But it's, but it's, it's necessary, especially for this house. I feel like God is getting ready to do something spiritual. Thank you. I should have used you, baby. You're right next to her. Um, I just, man. As a leader, I feel like this urgency in my heart to make sure this house stays spiritual. Somewhere down the line, some of us have taken grace out of context. And it's served to make you less spiritual. Yes, you are forgiven. I'll never tell you you're not. But man, We owe allegiance to the Holy Spirit. Some of us are just flat out too carnal. And uh, I'm not talking about jokes and fun and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the decisions that we make in our life. They're carnal. And God is saying, it's time to tighten it up. And the way that happens is opening your heart to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you do (laughs) guide me guide me in the truth you'll feel it you'll sense it the Holy Spirit is responsible for making sure you know it's him you'll know it and there'll be no doubt there'll be no doubt it is him talking your job is to say yes no matter what it cost your job is to say yes I want you to stand with me Listen, listen, just stay, stay sensitive for a second. In, in Ephesians 4, the last part, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve, lupe, is, is the Greek term. You know what it means? It, it doesn't just mean don't grieve, like don't compress. Or, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean like don't, don't get the Spirit mad. That's not what grieve means in the Greek. It actually... The image that I can give you would speak of a husband and a wife. Come here, just real quick, baby. It would speak of a husband and a wife. And, and here's what it means. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 
a stronger definition for grieve is cheat or unfaithfulness in the Greek. When Paul said don't grieve the Holy Spirit in that passage, he pulled it off already. What Paul was saying is don't cheat on the Holy Spirit. He's, he's painting a picture. He's saying that your relationship with the Holy Spirit is a, it's a marriage. It's a marriage. And here's what God's saying. And this is crazy, by the way. I'm here unconditionally. Don't abuse it. That's what he's saying. Don't grieve it. You can't get rid of me. I'm here. I'm sticking this out. Till the end. Don't abuse it, is what he's saying. Those terms, we don't get no more. Because... We go into marriage with if it goes sour. We say I do. We don't really mean for better or for worse. We don't mean for sickness and health. We, we, we want for better and for health. We're not ready for the worst part of it. Because I want to live my best life. That's how that's right. But th- th- that's not how God is. God's no, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm with it through it all. Don't abuse it. He said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve me. That, that is amazing to me. That is amazing to me. That that's what and how he looks at our relationship. So here's what I want to tell you tonight. I don't care what you've done in your life. You could tell me the most horrible thing. I promise you I've heard worse. I am a pastor. I hear worse every week. There's people right now... Um, that, that you know and I know that, man, they're going through hell. Man, there's stuff in their past that is haunting them. And it, 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 they're burdened with the, they're burdened with the guilt and the condemnation of what they've done. I'm telling you tonight, hear me, Vertical Encounter Church. He's married to you. The Holy Spirit is with you and he is listening to you. The only thing you need to do to start correcting all of this is actually open up your heart and start saying yes. Everything he asked you to do is going to be from him uh, getting you back to the original intention of God for your life. And it may take a while because some of us are pretty far off the journey right now. But it, every step is getting you back. It may not look like it's getting me back. What's this got to do with this? It has everything to do with this. He knows why you're, how you got where you are. Take this step. It still has to do with what you think it has to. Take this step. Pretty soon you're going to see that thing start curving. Because he's taking off the necessary layers so they can get back to the place God designed you to live. That's where wholeness and peace abides. 